0: Growing a small business has never been easy. So, how can we build our companies and shortcut the learning curve? By getting advice from the people who've done it before. Everything you need to grow your business is right here. I'm Simon Lader. Welcome to The Conference Room. Good afternoon and welcome to the conference room. I'm joined today by Dr. Chenzi Wang. Chenzi is the general partner of Rain Capital, a venture capital firm specializing in early stage technology companies. She's the former VP of Research of Forrester, a former professor at Carnegie Mellon. She's the winner of the 2019 Women Investor Award and Women of Influence SC Award. She sits on the board of several software startups and early stage businesses and is a board member of MDU Resources, a Fortune 500 company, and is a renowned advocate for equality and diversity in the high-tech field. And I'm delighted that she's joining us today in the conference room. So, Chenzi, good afternoon and welcome to the conference room.
1: Thank you, Simon. Thank you for having me.
0: It's a pleasure. So, every hero has an origin story, and you're the hero of our story. So, tell me, how did you get from graduating university through to where you are today?
1: How much time do you have?
0: (laughs) How much do you need? (laughs) Ha <laughs>
1: ha I'll give you the summary version. So I came to the U.S. in the middle of college uh, having won a scholarship. So I was able to finish my college study in the U.S. and went on to get a PhD in computer science with specialization in computer security. After that, I became a professor at Carnegie Mellon University teaching computer security as one of the founding faculty members of CYLAB, cybersecurity labs there. Let's see. And and that was my first phase of my career. Then I came to the industry. I did market research. I did operator role. I did executive role. And now I'm on my third phase of my career, which is investment. I don't know, maybe I have fourth phase of my career. Who knows? So mm-hmm. it's never boring, let's say.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So the key thing that I'd like to really dig into is that there are a, a lot of organizations that successfully raise venture capital funds, and there are companies that don't. Okay, and I'd be keen to understand from your perspective as somebody who probably considers hundreds of companies on a, I'm guessing, weekly or monthly basis. Right. What are the ones that are worthy of your time to consider further versus the ones that aren't? And then as you dig in, what sets aside a company that you're prepared to invest in and not just your money, but also your time, your energy, your resources versus the ones that aren't?
1: So I think every investor has got his or her own framework that they use to evaluate a potential investment. So you've got, typically you've got a series of gates, right? And you have to pass through all the gates to make to the final stage of investment decision. And for me, the first level gate is what problem space are you tackling for a new company? right? And a lot of other investors may have a different first gate as some investors. I know the team is the first gate, but I always look at the problem first. Is the problem space compelling? Does it solve a real problem? Does it solve a problem today versus five years from now? Not to say we won't invest in something that solves a problem five years from now, but the go-to-market motion is very different. Right. So I look at the problem first. If I believe in the problem, then I dig into how good the team is. Do they have the unique perspective and technical approach to solve, to tackle this problem? And then we dig into product visions and technology differentiation and then market size. Right. So finally, is the market size is it? This could be solving a really interesting problem, but only you know, a handful of companies would need it, then it won't be very compelling as a venture investment. So problem space, team, technology, and market size is at the high level, how I look at an investment decision.
0: Right. Okay. And as you continue to work with the companies that you invest in, typically, whether it's Rain Capital specifically, or just more of a sort of broader comment about the venture capital world, what are the advantages of partnering with a venture capital firm instead of, for example, if you can borrow money from a bank or looking at other Forms of investment, what are the advantages of working with a VC firm?
1: So, anytime you decide to attract or obtain external funding into your company, obviously uh, that serves two purposes. One is giving you extra resources to deploy, right? And possibly you can grow faster, you can get to your next milestone quickly, more quickly than otherwise. But there's another aspect which is extremely important is do you want this firm, this team to be your partner on this journey? And what that means is they may serve on the board and you will see them at the very minimum once a quarter, but you will probably see them more. Do you want them to look into your financials, look into your top line revenue growth and asking probing questions? And do you believe they have what it takes to be a good partner? Meaning that not only asking you questions, but bringing you solutions more importantly bring you resources that can help you tackle some of the challenges that you invariably are going to run into as you scale up your business so it really is you know capital is one thing but the partnership how much they can do for you is another thing that's extremely
0: important and in your career as a VC what have been your real highlights can you perhaps give me an example of where you've come into an organization that may have a great idea, you know, crossed through those gates you referred to a little earlier. Okay. But you could really see, do you know what, as well as me writing a check, they could really use my help and how that journey culminated to a successful conclusion.
1: Yeah. Now we are a seed investor, meaning that we come in really early in the company's journey. So we are actually in the process of building a company now where we get um, biweekly calls with the founding team. We look at what they've done in the two weeks prior and have we hit the milestones, what we need to do for the next two weeks. And we drill in fairly deep on the product strategy because they are building, their in stealth, they're building the product. And we say, well, how many customers did you talk to this week? What are their feedbacks? What sorts of comments or feedback can we assimilate into the product? What kind of things we receive are sort of maybe visionary and for the next generation of product strategy. So that kind of very detailed discussion. And I find it really interesting for the reason that, you know, the entrepreneur team internally, they have team and they discuss amongst each other and they have their opinions. But often it's interesting to have another set of eyes come in to, either validate or ask questions about things they may have taken for granted, right? So, and sometimes that external viewpoint really helps you see some things that you don't necessarily see. And so I think that's valuable.
0: And from your perspective, when you're working with a company, I would imagine relatively early on in that evolution, once you start working with them, maybe post that initial kind of injection of funding and you are actually working with them, I would imagine you can probably determine, yeah, these guys have really got their stuff together and they've got a good chance of success. These guys, not so much. What is it in your view separates Mm -hmm. the ones that are likely to be successful? Once they've crossed those gates and you're starting to work with them, the ones that are likely to be successful versus the ones where probably not.
1: I think if I have to pick on one thing, what makes a company successful is a whole slew of factors have to be right, right? So that's why, you know, not every startup succeeds. If I have to pick one thing, I think it is the entrepreneurs or the founding team's ability to very quickly respond and very quickly. It's the bias for action and bias for response that make them a very agile team. And it doesn't matter what the market condition is, what the larger economic climate is, this team will figure out a way and approach to sustain and build the business. And that time and time again, this ability to take input, take data and respond quickly and iterate, I think is the trait of a good entrepreneur because nobody knows everything. Right. In the beginning, you want to build something, perhaps the market changed or something else changed that you need to evolve your thinking. And those that kind of takes a while to change or are less open to input, less open to evolution is often the trait of a founding team that could be a challenge to deal with or not deal with, but could be challenging when things don't go as well as planned.
0: Right. It's something of a kind of a dichotomy, isn't it? On the one hand, you want people that are kind of resolute and driven to their mission, but on the other hand, people who are kind of flexible enough to respond to market forces, right? So- I
1: should qualify that. I mean, it's certainly, you don't want someone to change their mind every three days, right? right. You want someone to really drive a vision, but you also want someone to say, hey, you know, we're open-minded. It's not like we have decided this By God, this is the way we're going to do things. We're never going to change, right? So that's where you see the difference between us. To be honest, the recent market condition, right? And I don't know if you have seen it. Sequoia has this deck about the ability to endure, I think, is the name of the deck. And they talked about the companies that survive is a company that responds fastest, quickest to a changing market condition. So I think that, you know, it's the same thing, essentially.
0: Right. For people who've never dealt with a VC before, okay, I'd like to briefly talk about early stage seed funding organisations like yourself like to be approached when if somebody feels, you know what, I've kind of built this thing in my garage, you know, I've put together this idea and it's got some solidity and I want to go and in order to take it to the next stage, I need to get some seed funding. First off, what would you say they need to have in order for them to be taken seriously by somebody like yourself? What resources do they need to even be considered? so that's a
1: hard question to answer because the teams that are successful in raising funds could be reached their you know end state by very different avenues so for instance you could release an open source module and you become very successful in doing that right and you have a lot of users and you became known and venture capitalists may, may come and seek you out So that's one way. Another way is you are a very, very accomplished technologist or executive who has done interesting work before and you bring something to the table that others don't and you might find that kind of background is very attractive to investors who may want to have a conversation with you. Another thing is you have trusted mutual connections that with the investor that you could ask for an intro and that person will put you in front of the investment team. The ones that don't work really well is reaching out cold on LinkedIn and say, hey, I have this cool idea, cool startup. And you know we get lots of those. and sometimes it's hard to process through all of it, and sometimes I do look at the background of the person and if the background looks attractive, I will take a meeting. But A lot of times it is folks that we know that we reached out to or folks that are introduced through mutual connections that have the most successful first meeting.
0: Right. Okay. So somebody doesn't know you and doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily know anyone that knows you. Okay. And the only way they can really make contact is through a cold reach out. What would you say are the kind of things they need to do to make that reach out more credible
1: i would say in that email or in that linkedin message they should be very open and talk about what the idea is you know i will respond if i see something that's genuine that is real as opposed to i've got this great idea it's going to change the world i'm the only one who can do it and i will just delete 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 right and so i guess the short answer is be authentic and tell us what you want to say If I say in the way that other people can understand as opposed to putting yourself on the pedestal and do marketing and the authentic outreach message often is the one that would work
0: right so authenticity not hyperbole uh-huh. right so shifting gears and talking a little more about you okay I'm curious, we talked in the intro about your background, starting out as a professor, then moving into the C-suite and now in the third and probably not final act of your career, (laughs) you're now, you know, in a VC role, okay? So I'm curious, if you look back through your career, hopefully the answer is this one right now, which phase of your career with the benefit of looking back gave you or is giving you the most joy?
1: Oh, joy. Interesting. I would say every phase has given me very valuable training, a very valuable experience that I carry with me today. And that is useful. Most joy, I would say is probably the startups. That when I worked at startup, Twistlock, for instance, is an example where the founding team and the executives work very well together, at least in the beginning of the company, where, you know, everybody moved as a one unit, right? And for the benefit of the company, and it feels like every day you're making something happen, you're pushing the collective goal forward. So that's very joyful when that happens
0: are you seeing that in the work you're doing now with other startups and with other entrepreneurs
1: yes but it's slightly different because as an investor you kind of at an arm's length role right right as you would be right you should not be stepping in do their work for them although sometimes you're like oh maybe I should do (laughs) I'll just do it myself (laughs) yes and which would be the wrong approach but yes I think every investor has, you know, at some point in their career thought about, oh, maybe I'll do it again. It's not the same as when you are part of the operating team. Right.
0: Right. Okay. good stuff. So what's next for you and for Rain Capital?
1: Well, we are about to announce Rain Capital 2, which is fun too. And we are building a larger fund, a larger team, and continue to invest in very innovative startups. So that is going to be my current game for a while. And who knows what's next? I'm also an author, so I write my perpetual novel. And so we'll see, maybe that will be my fourth act.
0: Absolutely. I'll be very keen to be an early reader of that. So that should be a lot of fun. Great stuff. So what are your three tips for somebody to be successful in raising funds? Do your research. Do
1: your homework. So first of all, pick a problem that is interesting, that is needed, not just buzzwords. Right. So if you come to pitch and we can tell you haven't done your homework, you haven't looked at the competitive landscape, you have not really talked to as many customers, potential customers as we would like you to, then you're likely not not going to get a second meeting so do your homework second is have a you know again my answer is going to be predicated on the investment stage that we do because we're early on so sometimes we talk to folks just have an idea versus a product is have a somewhat thought through answer to how do you carry the vision to a product right we don't just invest in tech a piece of tech does not make a product. A product is a piece of tech wrapped with user experience, right? How does a user interact with your technology from the beginning to the end? Have you thought that through? You don't have to have all every piece that is solved, but we would like to see how you approach building a product from a technical idea. So that's, and if the answer, you know, when sometimes you ask, what's the product, what does the product look like? And every answer you get back are just technical things. Then often what you will hear is you should get a business co-founder. You should get a co-founder who knows how to take a piece of technology to market, right? That sort of thing. So do your homework have a good answer from technology to product. And third is be authentic and be the leader that we think you can take the company, at least in the near future, which means that you are someone we believe you can hire you can hire good talent, you can rally people around and that is a very important trait for a founder
0: as well. Okay, great stuff. And if people wanted to learn more about you or about Rain Capital or even potentially work with you, what's the best way they can go about doing that?
1: You can send me an email at chanxi at raincapital.BC. And again, you know, be authentic, be succinct, and tell me why you want to do this startup and what's so interesting and why I should talk to you.
0: Okay, great stuff. And I'll put links to that and also to Marine Capital's website in the show notes below. Chenzi, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're extremely busy with, with so much going on. So for me, some of your time has been really, really valuable. So I'm really grateful for that. And I've learned so much just by chatting to you. So Shenzi Wang, thank you so much for joining us here in the conference room.
1: Thank you, Simon. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you visit our website, theconferenceroompodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, plus links to the resources mentioned during the podcast. If you enjoyed listening to this, make sure you subscribe so you're always the first to know when each episode is released. Also, please take the time to review the podcast so that more people who want to grow their businesses can find us. To talk about this or any other podcast, or in fact anything business related whatsoever, find me on Twitter, at Simon Lader, or you can find me by searching for Simon Lader or Silesia Academy on Facebook or on LinkedIn. I'm always open to a conversation. Thanks for listening to The Conference Room. Until next time, keep talking.